Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk to you on a subject that I started a couple of weeks ago on faith. The walk of faith, the worship of faith, and the warfare of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In our last setting, we talked about how to activate our faith. We use the word faith as an acrostic to learn how to have our faith activated. F stands for faith, which is the root word of faithful. Unfaithfulness is a faith problem. The Lord's been dealing with me about this. If we have a problem being faithful, we have a problem in our faith. Faith is the root word of faithful. Faithful, being faithful is the the fruit of faith. Faith is the root, but being faithful is the fruit. If we're unfaithful, we have a problem with faith. A is for activation. Faith is activated through what we speak, what we say. I is for intercession. Faith is realized through believing prayer. We realize the, the realization of our faith through prayer, through crying out to God. T is for time, and time is the test of faith. As I was putting this together a few weeks ago, the Lord began to deal with me about time. How many of you realize that God reigns above time? He's not inside time. When God looks down, he sees your beginning and he sees your end. He don't just see your now. Now, to us, he's an ever-present. Everybody say present. Help in the time of trouble. He's present right now. Why? How can he be present right now, be present in the past, and be present in the future? Because he's not bound by the constraint of time, but he reigns above the time-space continuum. He sets above time, and he's the great chronographer of the ages. He actually created time. You and I are bound by time, but God is not bound by time. That's why God can heal us of things in our past, because God sees our past, our present, and our future. That's why he can say, I know the plans I have for you, not I hope. I got good plans for you and I hope things will work out for you but I know the plans I have for you says the Lord to give you a future to prosper you to bless you he can say that because he's already in your future so time is the test of our faith and faith will always be tested age is for heaven and we believe for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven as believers we are called to infuse our faith into an unbelieving culture Faith is a powerful force. It's a powerful tool in the arsenal of the believer. I love this quote. I used it, but I want to use it again. Philip Yancey defines faith as believing in advance something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. Faith can move mountains. Faith is pleasing to God. Several weeks ago, I had the thought, faith has a voice. That thought came to me, and I wrote it down in my notes. And if you were to go into my notes app on my iPad, it's just filled with all kinds of notes as I will pray, and I'll just write things. And sometimes I go back and try to remember, what was I thinking during that time? i got to be more descriptive in my notes. And it'll take me a little while to recall what I felt like I was thinking or what the Lord was saying to me. But the Lord said to this, he said, faith has a voice. Faith speaks. It speaks. So how do we align our words and our thoughts with the word of God? How do we bring our thinking into alignment with God's will for our lives? Ephesians 4, 23 through 24, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Elijah received the double portion of the mantle of Elijah by faith. I was praying over this message this week. I was in the mountains there in Rome, Georgia. It's about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes below Atlanta. And the Lord began to deal with me about the year of double. You remember we preached that a few weeks ago, double, double. Everybody say double, double. And, and the Lord took me to this passage of scripture in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10 through 14. Let me read it to you. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father. I want you to note that. My father, my father the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. Let me frame this story. Elijah is about to be taken to heaven and Elisha is following him. And at every stop, Elijah would turn and say to him, stay here. And he says, oh no, I'm pressing in. I'm going with you. And finally, when they get to the place Across the Jordan, I've been to that place. It's the place where Jesus was baptized. It's the place where, where Joshua crossed over at flood time and come into the promised land. God's a God of patterns. He don't deviate from the patterns. And we went there. We've been to that place. And when they crossed over into that place, Elijah said to Elisha, what can I do for you? He says, I want a double portion. Everybody say double portion of your mantle, of your spirit, of your anointing. And here's what Elijah said. Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing. Some of us need to ask God for a hard thing this morning. Some of us need to say that's an impossibility, but I believe that if I'll see the Lord, he will make it a reality. Come on, somebody, and give God praise. And Elijah said to him, if you see me when I'm taken up, it'll be for you. Notice what he says. He activates his faith. This is not just describing the scene. This is a declaration of faith. It says, Elisha saw it. See, this is the year 2020. It's the year of perfect vision. But it's not just the year of perfect vision. It's also the year of declaration. We've got to learn how to say what we see. Elisha saw it. And notice what he said. He staked his claim on the double portion. This is what the Lord burned in my spirit this week. He said, my father, my father. He didn't just say, Father, he said, my father, my father. Now notice, that's in, that's in lowercase. He's not talking to God. He's talking to his spiritual father, Elijah. He's saying, my father, my father. I saw it. I'm laying claim to my double portion. I'm laying claim to my inheritance. Hallelujah. I'm speaking my faith. And the Bible said he took up the mantle, tore it in two pieces. He went and he smote the waters. That's King James Version. <laughs> he smoked the waters and the waters parted and he walked across on dry ground. If you study the life of Elisha, you find that he worked exactly double the miracles of Elijah. He had a double portion. Anybody want a double portion this morning? I'm telling you, we're saved and satisfied. We're saved and satisfied. And the church in America has become carnal and indifferent. We're so busy, we don't have time for God anymore. If the rapture takes place, most churches will go on business as usual. Won't even know anybody's missing. That's good preaching right there. It's time to stake a claim. It's time to declare, I want more. I'm tired of where I'm at. There's more for me. There's more anointing. There's more grace. There's more glory. There's more of his presence. I want more of his word. I want more. Anybody want more this morning? 
What are you speaking today? What are you declaring today? What are you speaking over your family? What are you declaring over your finances? What are you speaking over your health? We act like God wants us to be sick. Well, Pastor, God put this sickness on me to teach me something. Well, if he did, why are you at the hospital? I never have understood that. Well, God's trying to teach me something by being sick. Well, why are you going to the doctor? Pray that you'll get sicker so you'll learn the lesson better. Do you see the fallacy of that? No, the Holy Spirit's my teacher, not sickness and disease. Sickness and disease is a result of the fall, but I've been redeemed from the curse, hallelujah. What are you speaking? What are you saying about your prophetic promises? And let me ask you this, what are you saying about your own potential? What are you speaking? What are you saying, Pastor? What are you saying over your potential? He's a world changer sitting right here. He's a world changer. What are you saying over your potential? Listen, some of these young men are going to do things. Some of these young ladies are going to do things that we never thought possible. They may invent things. They may do something that changes their generation, that changes society. I'm telling you, we got to start speaking that over our children. You're going to excel. You're the head and not the tail. You're going to rise up and, and other nations are going to call you blessed. we got to learn how to speak over our own potential. Face a powerful tool. We have to align our words with God's words. Listen, let me give you a few scriptures. Psalms 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. What are you confessing? Well, Pastor, you're just talking about positive confession. No, I'm talking about confessing the word of God. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word, word of their testimony. You got to watch over your confession. In a time of prayer recently, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, son, do not be moved by what you see, but be moved by what I say. We enter into every promise of God's word by faith. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 11. Verse 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. How do you have faith in God? You have faith in God through his word. You have faith in God by encountering his presence. You have faith in God through prayer and intercession. People come sometimes and say, pray that I'll have more faith. I say, if you want more faith, you've got to spend more time in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And sometimes I have to pray myself, Lord, help my unbelief. Help Help me, Father, not to give in to the doubts and the voices of the negative voices that surround me, but help me to have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I heard the story of a little church in the mountains. They built a new a church and they outgrew their parking lot and they needed more space but behind them was rocks and boulders and, and, and cliffs and all kinds of mountainous terrain that they couldn't access and they didn't have the money they needed to move all of that and to smooth out a parking lot so they began to pray and the pastor got up one Sunday and he read this verse to the church and he says we can speak to the mountain and say be removed so they spoke to the mountain several days later a construction foreman came to the office of the church and said we are in a project down here in the road project and we need a lot of rock and a lot of dirt and could we take what you have behind you and move it and he said in exchange for all of that we'll smooth it all out and make you a parking lot come on somebody speak to the mountain Jesus continues about the power of faith. Listen to what he says in Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them because of your unbelief for surely I say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed 
You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. You heard the story of a farm community church, and there was a tremendous drought that it, that it really affected the crops. And the pastor said, Sunday night, 6 o'clock, I want everybody that needs rain on their farm and everybody that will believe for a drought breaking rain I want you to come and pray in the church and when they all got to church and got in the church he said I can tell you don't have any faith they said what do you mean pastor he said not a one of you came in here with an umbrella set Luke 17 5 and 6 and the apostles said to the Lord increase our faith so the Lord said if you have faith as a mustard seed you can say to the mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea and it would obey you Mark of time 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In Hebrews 11, 4 through 10, the author of Hebrews gives us examples of how the elders had a good testimony through faith. This morning, I want to share about faith's worship, faith's walk, faith's work, and faith's warfare. In our last setting, we talked about the worship of faith. Hebrews 11:4 by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts through it being dead still speaks by faith Abel the son of Adam and Eve offered a sin offering acknowledging his own sinfulness and need of mercy this was in contrast to his brother Cain who attempted to please God without faith worship involves faith Hebrews 11:6 for without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, anytime you come to God, that's an act of worship. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We also spoke secondly about faith's walk. Hebrews eleven five by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch was a man who walked by faith. His life of dedication and devotion was pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Some of us are in a place where we don't know where we're putting our foot down because we can't see the next step because God hasn't opened and illuminated the next step. So we have to put it down by faith. And that's hard because we want to see where we're going. We want to know where we're going. Anybody remember back when we had map atlases? Anybody remember that? You'd read that map and you'd find out that you had it upside down. You had to turn it around and you'd find out you're going the wrong direction. Now we have Siri, Apple Maps, Google Maps, whatever. And I use it all the time. Sometimes we don't know where we're going. And what I found is I like maps and I can look at a map and pretty much tell. And I can map out my directions. I learned that years ago. And driving trucks and things. And I can do that. But now with the use of GPS, you don't know. It'll tell you go this way. It'll give you several options. This is the shortest. This is the longest. This is without highways. And then as you're driving, like through, it'll say you can save six minutes by taking this road. And you think, I don't know if I'm going to take that road or not. That GPS will take you through neighborhoods that you shouldn't be in. Beth and I was driving one time. And we, man, we were so tired. We thought we're going to. We're going to get a hotel. And so we plugged in to the GPS, the nearest Hampton Inn. And we went, we were headed towards Savannah, and we got down there. It was about midnight, and it said, turn left here. We turned left there on a gravel road, and we started down that gravel. I said, Beth, we're fixing to get shot at. <laughs> this is not the right thing. It took us to an empty field. So sometimes you're just blindly following Siri or whoever, Alexa, whatever the name is in your GPS. Whoever's speaking to you, you're blindly following them by faith. All you know is, is in 1.9 miles up here, I've got to go right on that exit. 
And if you're not careful, that GPS will take you places you don't need to be. Walk by faith and not by sight. So let me very quickly give you two things. Faith work and faith warfare. We've got faith worship, faith walk, but let's look at faith work. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, notice that, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. I want you to see that, being warned of things not yet seen. If you write in your Bible, underline that. Highlight that, not yet seen. Faith deals with the invisible realm. It's actually one of the currencies of the kingdom that makes the invisible realm visible. It's a currency. The current currency that God is using with this nation is mercy. Look at the wickedness that we've embraced. Look at it as we have embraced as a nation. And there's hardly not a major corporation that's not embraced it, that's not given in to the pressure of the culture. I mean, you can't even read the newspaper anymore and believe what's written on it. That's the truth. That's the day we live in. And God's dealing with this country in mercy. Thank God for his mercy. If we got what we deserve, we'd be judgment, be correction. But mercy is currently the currency that God's used. But faith is a currency of the kingdom. When I go to England, I can't use dollars. I have to go and trade out for sterling pounds. And there are different places. One place you can go is to the post office and they'll exchange your money. And there are different places. In Israel is shekels. If you go to Israel and you walk around Jerusalem, you'll see signs that says money changers. You remember Jesus talked about that. They're still there. Pharisees as well. They're still there. And you can change your American currency, your U.S. dollars, for shekels. Now, in Belize, you have two to one. What are you saying? I'm saying that faith is the currency of the kingdom. And we make an exchange. We exchange our unbelief, our doubts, our fears, for his faith. We give those to him and in its place he implants faith in our heart. We need to make a divine exchange this morning because God calls us to deal in those things that are unseen. God will ask you to do something and you can't see your way clearly to do it. It is stepping out in faith. Verse seven from the New Living Translation says it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's talk about Noah for a minute. He was a man of faith. Do you know every major sport has a hall of fame? Cooperstown, New York is where the, the NFL has their hall of fame. And last summer, Beth and I met Ray Lewis. Ray was one of the great linebackers, one of the greatest probably defensive linebackers to play the game. He's in the hall of fame today. And we had the opportunity to meet him. We used to watch him play when we lived in Maryland, lived in Baltimore. Michaela had bought Beth his book for Mother's Day. So we took the book and he signed the book and made his picture with us. And we talked about things that we knew about in Baltimore and had a nice talk with him. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's known. He's enshrined in that Hall of Fame for his greatness on the football field. Do you know the Bible has what we call a Hall of Faith? Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse 2 says, for by faith the elders obtained a good report. Well, who are these elders? Well, they're listed in verses, chapter 11, verses 4 through 12, and one of these is Noah. 
Noah is first mentioned in Genesis 5. And then again in Genesis 6, 5 through 7. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent and thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I'm sorry that I made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That word grace there can also be translated as favor. Verse 8 says that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 9 says this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. He had an active faith. His faith did not lay dormant. He was moved with godly fear. He saw the coming judgment, and he heard the Lord's instruction. And we have to hear the instructions of the Holy Spirit, and you have to hear his voice by faith. It's an act of faith when you steal yourself and get quiet in his presence. It is an act of faith when you pray and talk to God about a need. Our faith has to be like Noah's. It has to be active. Verse 13 says, God said to Noah. By faith, Noah received instructions on how to build an ark and saved his household from the judgment of the flood. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah's faith produced good works. Our faith must produce good works. James 2.20, faith without works is dead. Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and it accounted unto him for righteousness. Noah became the heir of righteousness because he was moved by faith. Are you working by faith? Your faith will produce not just good works, but your faith will produce godly works. Two boys were playing in the snow one day. When one said to the other, let us see who can make the straightest path in the snow. His companion readily accepted the proposal and they started. One boy fixed his eyes on a tree and walked along without taking his eyes off the object selected. The other boy set his eyes on the tree also and when he had gone a short distance, he turned and looked back to see how true his course was. He went a little distance farther and again turned to look over his steps. When they arrived at the stopping place, each halted and looked back. One path was as true as an arrow, while the other ran in a zigzag course. How did you get your path so straight? Asked the boy who made the crooked steps. Why, said the other boy, I just set my eyes on the tree and kept them there until I got to the end. While you stopped and looked back and wondered out of your course. This is a perfect picture today of the Christian life. If we fix our eyes the eyes of our hope, our trust, and our faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ and keep them continually fastened on him, we will have at last come to our desired destination. Remember Peter. He said, if it's you, bid me to come out of the water. And he invited Peter to come, and Peter stepped out on the water, and he walked on the water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and saw the storm, he began to sink. And it was only when he kept his eyes on the storm could he walk on the water in the midst of the storm? We must keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But let's look at this last thing as faith warfare. How many of you know there's a warfare that surrounds faith? Faith has a worship, a walk, a work, and it will also encounter warfare. Jesus made this profound statement in Matthew eleven twelve, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I want to read that from the New Living Translation. And from the time... John the Baptist began preaching unto now, the kingdom of heaven has force, been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. 
Here's an article right here. Right now, Russia and the Syrian troops are going into Aleppo, Syria, and they're attacking what's left of the rebels and what's left of that, and ISIS is at work in there as well. And there were 11 Christian missionaries who were crucified and beheaded by ISIS just this last few weeks. We can't string two Sundays together and come to church on two Sundays, and we can't come because the air conditioner's not working or I have to park too far away from the, or the pastor preaches too long, and people are being crucified and beheaded. I'm telling you, God, help us as a nation. Help us as a church. It so touched me. I've been reading about all the people who are martyred for their faith, and these had an opportunity to get out. They were warned. They said, ISIS is coming. Their missions director says, get out, move. And they said, no, we cannot move. We cannot abandon the people that God's called us to. We're called here and we're staying here. They stayed there at the peril of their own life and they were beheaded and they were crucified and left to hang in for two days and with signs out that said these are infidels to spread fear across and panic across that. Listen, this is real. Faith has a warfare. It has a warfare. Let me finish this up. Faith has a worship, a walk, a work, and you also encounter warfare. Hebrews 11 33 through 40, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of sore, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourgings, yes, and of trains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These are listed in the hall of faith. And all of these, listen to what it says, all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. Who do they receive the promise for? Go over to Hebrews chapter 12. They received the promise through us. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They're in the great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on. We have to pick up the mantle and we have to carry on the work. In Acts 16, 6 through 10, we have a record of what we call the Macedonian call. In verse 9, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Every ministry and every victory begins with a vision or a call from God. It's one of the first sessions we had this week is you've got to have a proper view of God. You've got to have a proper view, a vision of God. Who is God? We can't see him as a cosmic Santa Claus. We can't see him as a waiter. We can't see him as a doting old grandfather. We can't see him, you know, as just sitting up on the throne wearing a hearing aid and, and just, the, you know, the God of the ages barely getting by. We've got to see him as the creator of this universe, the sustainer of this universe. We've got to see him as the great I am. We've got to see him as the one who's able to save, the one who's able to heal, the one who's able to deliver. We have to see the Lord. In Acts chapter 16, 11 through 15, it gives a record of their initial success in Macedonia. Let me just preach this thing to you and we'll be finished. Paul sees a vision. He hears a man crying out for help. They changed their plans because they were going to Bithynia. They were going to make a turn and go back up into Asia. But the Lord said, no, I need you in Europe. And Paul, the Bible said the Holy Spirit forbade them. He forbid them from going up into that area. So they had to make a change in their ministry and they had to change direction and they had to go to Macedonia. And when they get to Macedonia, they find some women. And they find these women, Lydia, seller of purple. She's a merchant. 
they're praying by the riverside and they begin to talk to them. Next thing you know, Lydia and her household bring them in and they've got a church almost started because her household now has been saved. And as Paul would go around and preach, there was this young girl, the Bible says in some translations she had a spirit of divination. That word divination comes from a Greek word pathos. It means python. A python is a snake that is a constricting snake. It is a suffocating spirit. It's a spirit of divination. It works through witchcraft and it seeks to constrict you where you can't breathe. And this young girl was going behind them saying, these are the men of the most high God. She was disruptive and Paul finally had enough. And the Bible says he turned to her and he spoke to that demon inside of her and commanded that demon to come out. And the moment she was set free of the demon, she could no longer tell fortunes. She could no longer do the tarot cards. Quit messing with that stuff. That's demonic. You're inviting demons into your home and into your life. Quit watching all that stuff on TV. Paul had her set her free and she could no longer make money for her master. She was a slave girl. They used her to make money. But no longer could she do those things because she's been set free from that demonic influence. So they cast Paul and Silas in prison. And because Paul and Silas loved Jesus, they were incarcerated in the inner prison. That means they were beaten. It means that their hands and their legs were in stocks. And they was in solitary confinement. They was in the maximum security prison where you put the meanest of people. And I want you to note what Paul and Silas did. The Bible said at midnight... Now listen to me, in a prison with no lights, at midnight it's dark. I want you to see face warfare. Silas didn't turn to Paul and say, you in that vision. If I'd have known this, I wouldn't have followed you here. I'd have went on home. I believe Silas turned to Paul and said, I believe we need to sing. I believe we need to cry out to God. I believe we need to call on the Lord. And the Bible said at midnight, they started singing. They started singing. At midnight, they started singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. They got started singing. Alleluia. 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 And listen, they started singing in stocks and in barns and in prison. Anybody can pray in a church service where there's instruments and music and there's an atmosphere. But when you're shut up in prison, when you're all alone and it's dark all around you and you can't see and you don't know what's going to happen to you, if you're going to draw your next breath or not, it takes faith. You have to reach down deep on the inside and you have to pull up that faith that's down there. And you have to give God praise by faith. Listen, their back's torn open. They begin to praise God. And the Bible said God sent a Holy Ghost earthquake. And that Holy Ghost earthquake shook that prison until every chain was broken, every fetter was released, every door was open, and they didn't run to get away. They had church and revival right there in the prison in the darkness, and the whole prison got saved. That's faith. And then the, the prison keeper, the prisoner, the jailer, he called for a light. Tells me it was dark. And when he saw that all the prisoners were loose, he sought to kill himself because he knew he'd been executed. And he's just going to save his family to shame. But Paul said, do yourself no harm. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. And not only you, but your household will be saved. Somebody needs to get a hold of that today and believe for your household to be saved. How did they respond? Face worship. At midnight, <laughs> they sang praises unto God. Listen, face warfare will see you through the storm. 
Faith's going to be tested. Faith's going to be tried. The enemy's going to come against your battle and you'll stand to faith. And if you move by what you see, you'll be up and down like a yo-yo. You'll be riding the wave of emotion. But if you'll be moved by the word of the Lord, you can stand steadfast in the storm and not be moved. Remember that song we used to sing years ago, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Would you stand with me?